Welcome to Real Black Contents Forum Podcast. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about some history, right? We are going to talk about some history. And in this conversation, we're going to identify black folks that was living in the Americas prior to the slave trade, right? Prior to Columbus, quote unquote, finding and discovering this place, right? There was pockets and areas in the Americas where black folks was already at, right? They were already here, already had communities, already had small colonies, already had a language and a culture, everything, right? So we're going to have that conversation. You know, here on Real Black Content Forum Podcast, we do this, right? Because oftentimes when you get around black folks in America, it's like an all or nothing kind of like mentality, right? It's weird. I don't even know where we get it from. But it's like a all or nothing. So normally you deal with a black American. He's all African all of a sudden. He's looking up Igbo and Yoruba stuff. And he's Ashanti and all this. He's all African. He's never been there. But he's all African. Right? That's that's one side of the spectrum. Right? The real Afrocentric brother. He got the dashikis. He loved Wakanda. He's, he's not going to go to Africa. He's not going to buy no property. He's not going to do none of that. But, he, you know, like he's all in. He's all African, right? If you let him sell it. Then we got a, another end of the spectrum. There's another community. And everybody's all Aboriginal. They ain't got nothing to do with African. They ain't got no African blood. They don't know much about slavery. They don't really, um, they act like slavery never happened. They act like the slave trade never happened. Then you got, um, you got a young blood running around telling folks that 98% of uh, African-Americans as Indians and all this kind of, you know, it's kind of, it's crazy, right? But that's, it's one end of the spectrum. Everybody's all African or it's the other end of the spectrum. Everybody's all Aboriginal, right? The slave trade never happened. My grandmama's Indian and all this, right? You know, big mama says she was Indian. <laughs> and then we got another end of the spectrum. Well, another um, group of people in our community is saying, well, we all Hebrews and, we live underneath these curses and all this and this. So it's like it's an all or nothing thing that black folks play in America, right? Well, what we learn here on Real Black Consciousness Foreign Podcast is that black Americans is a mixture. We are mixed breed of people. We got a lot of genetic lines. It happened that way because of our sojourn on the plantations in this country, right? So the truth of the matter is that black Americans is a mix. We're mixed with African. We're mixed with black Aboriginal. We're mixed with red Aboriginal. We're mixed with East Indians. So we got a running joke on this platform. You know, when the devil called America a melting pot, he, he wasn't lying. <laughs> he was not lying. When he say America's a melting pot, he wasn't lying, but the only thing is about that, right? The catch is he wasn't in the pot. You're in the pot. You're melting and mixing of it, not him. <laughs> He's white. He going to stay so-called white. That's what it is, but you're in the melting pot, right? So, so what we have to do typically on this platform, right, when we have conversations, everybody's cool with the African piece, and we kind of struggle with the Hebrew and the Aboriginal piece. So I come to the table, and I bring sources that show that black folks was indeed in the Americas prior to the slave trade. But I can't use all the sources I want to use. They have to be written by devils. 
because black folks is more receptive to information when you show them that so-called white folks wrote it. You know, I can show you a bunch of black scholars that talked about the subject matter for the last past hundred something years. I can just bring them up, but it just won't go over. But when I bring in some documents and I say, look, these devils wrote it and I show you the dates and times and all that, then we kind of like, man, is that really happening? Yeah, it happened, bro. And normally on this platform, the documents that I use is from the 16th, 17th, 18th century, 19th century also. Very rarely 20th century, though. We got a document today. It's 20th century early, though, 1901. It was a, I very rarely even use these kind of documents, to be totally honest, because, see, there was a time in this country black folks couldn't read, right? There was a bunch of anti-literacy laws. You know, you couldn't read. You was a person of color. It was illegal for you to read, which means that when certain documents and books was published during that time frame, right, it's not like somebody is writing something to pull something over your head because you couldn't even read. They ain't lying to you. They ain't trying to put something in the book to trick you up. You couldn't even read anyway. Whether you could is in the book or not, you couldn't even read. And nobody never foresaw one day you would pick up those old documents, right? I'm a very I'm a stickler on that. I pick up the stuff and read that we wasn't reading, and when we was able to read, we wasn't even paying no attention to it. That's what we do on this platform, right? So like today's conversation, right, that we're going to use the document we're going to use. If you can see the source, you can screenshot the whole thing. Government. Let me blow it up a little bit. That help us out. This is volume 10 of the commission's report. Washington, right? So this comes off the floor of government. I want you to see the source. I want you to take a real good look at everything that's here. Right? Report of the Industrial Commission on Agriculture and Agricultural Labor, including testimony with review and topical digest thereof. Volume 10, Washington, 1901. And they got the members of the Industrial Commission. You can see the senators that's listed. You can see the chairman that's listed. You can see the secretary that's listed. So this is real deal. You know, um, as we say on the blog, this is official tissue, right? We're going to go down to page 824, right? Let's go to that page 824. We're going to dive right in. And while we're at page 824, we're going to back up just a little bit. Let's see, can I blow it up? Maybe you can see it a little better if I blow it up. We're going to back up just a little bit to the bottom section of 8, 823. And if I can give you a little backdrop, you know, they're on the commission. This is government, of course, and... um. You know, during this commission, they're talking about race relations, they're talking about different industries, what's profitable, what's not. They're talking about the uh, work ethic of black people and white folks and who should be uh, given the chance to work more in this industry or this manufacturing plant or this sector of government. And then they have on the other side, you know, so they're just having a real deal conversation and it's all documented, right? So once something comes on the floor of government that's going to be a piece of history forever now nobody's necessarily hiding this from you this came out in 1901 and many of our people were still um dealing with you know a stronghold of being illiterate and then we had a small bubbling number of our people being educated but even with that being said you know we still was in the plantation phase right it's not what we call the quote-unquote hardcore slavery 
but we're still dealing with the sharecropping and the working from sun up to sundown. And it's funny on the books. So on our, you know, on our spare time, we're not picking up and reading the hearing before the industrial commission. Just, it's just not happening. We're not doing it. It's just not a reality. We're reading a good book now, right? We got a bunch of Negro spirituals and Negro songs and we got all that. And then we have some people bubbling up to be teachers, but we're just not on this type of time, right? But we're going to, we're going to slow down and we're going to just take a real good look at what was said in the industrial commission. And then we're going to have to sew it all together. We're going to make it make sense within ourselves, right? Because again, we're talking about black folks that was in the Americas prior to the slave trade, right? Prior to the slave trade. They mean that whole 16, uh, what did they say? 1619, Jamestown, Virginia, black folks was already here. When that, when that boat hit that dock, it was black folks already here, right? So this is the question and answering portion, of course. I mean, this is what happened on the, uh, on the floors of government. You're writing an essay. And it requires some shut mouth. Uh, don't waste your time on those junkyard losers. This country was built on genocide and slavery. We killed all the black guys that were here, and then, and then we shipped in new black guys of our own. We killed all the black guys that were here, and then, and then we shipped in new black guys of our own. So we get page J23. We're in the last paragraph. And it says, I want to quote an extract from the book entitled Race Problems of the South, Montgomery Conference. Alpha Morwado is the speaker, and he is referring to the situation in North Carolina respecting the Negroes. He says, now we have page A24. This is the hearing before the Industrial Commission. Crimes of all sorts increased alarmingly and went unpunished. Right. So let me just give you a real quick synopsis of this paragraph. What they're talking about is two different natures between black folks. In this next paragraph, they're going to talk about the nature of black folks in North Carolina. They're going to say they was drunkards. They didn't even make good jurors. Anytime you put somebody on the case, if it's a black person, he did something crazy. Other black folks is not going to find him guilty. They're going to say he's innocent. They're not going to, they don't throw each other under the bus in the legal system. They're going to talk about Negroes being drunken and walking the streets all day partying all day, being idle, they don't want to work. They are insulting the women of that town. They're robbing in broad daylight. They're fighting in broad daylight. Um, they own their own media. They have a Negro newspaper and the Negro newspaper is running down white folks and white women. They don't care nothing about nothing. These Negroes is free. They cannot be controlled. Then he goes on later to talk about how White supremacy had to get these Negroes back in order, right? So if you just ask me when he made that statement about how white supremacy had to get these Negroes in North Carolina back in order, I would suspect he's talking about the insurrection in Wilmington. And that happened right around, I want to say, 18, no, let me say it this way, 1895 between 1890. Right, to be on the safe side. You can look it up probably on Wikipedia by this point. Everything's on Wikipedia, right? Where they had like um it was a mob of white folks that attacked black folks, black owned businesses, and they killed a lot of our people to the tune of maybe like sixteen between two hundred. That's a big gap. I know you like sixty to two hundred, yeah, I know, I know that's a big gap, but that's how it's recorded, right? We're gonna go right into the second paragraph. 
because there's a lot of information in this second paragraph that we're going to have to build on. It says a large Negro population on the coast of South Carolina is quite different from this here described. The mayor of Buford says the town is remarkable for quiet and good order. For 20 years past, not a single individual has been killed or seriously injured in any disturbance within corporate limits. See Handbook of South Carolina, page 663. This is a statement of the mayor of Buford, and Buford is perhaps the blackest spot in the whole South. That is to say, the Negro population predominate more than anywhere else. There is a peculiar history fact connected with that town that I would like to mention to the commission. So now the speaker is setting the stage at this point, right? He talked about two different kind of natures. The Negroes fresh off the plantation in North Carolina, they're running rampant, right? They're all over the place. You can't control them. Then you got a different group of Negroes in South Carolina. And these different group of Negroes, they live in the same area that's connected with a different people that used to live there before that was Negroes too. And he just want to give the commission the history on these people. That's what he's going to do. He's going to go right into it, but he took his time. He set the stage, right? So let's continue. That is the place where the federal troops first set the Negroes free. It was done on those islands in the neighborhood of Buford, and they are now there the predominant race. And this mayor refers to them as a quiet community. A most peculiar thing is Corte Fugues in his book on the human race asserts the fact that the African live on these islands long before the discovery of America by Christopher Columbus. He is a high authority and he says that the Yamasee Indians were Negroes. What were known afterwards as the fears of the Indian tribes of the South. The well-known Yamasee Indians were Africans. Okay, so we have to really stop and build on that. They say your history is hidden, but if your history is hidden, it's hidden from those who's already lost. The speaker comes out on the floor of government. Now, we're talking about some serious business. They're not shooting a bobo on the side of the corner on some street in Baltimore, Detroit, or Chicago, or New York City, or Atlanta. They're not shooting a bobo. They're not in Kansas City just hanging out, just talking. This conversation, this commission that they're speaking to, this is happening all in the halls and the chambers of government in the United States of America. So we know everything that happens is going to be documented. So we're reading what's been documented, right? The speaker comes out to say to give the history on this portion of land in South Carolina, not only South Carolina, the smaller surrounding areas in South Carolina. And he's saying that Africans live in this area, South Carolina, prior to the discovery of America by Christopher Columbus. So wait, 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 let's stop, let's stop, let's stop. We gotta have that conversation because see, they didn't teach us that in public school, right? The Afrocentric guys, you know, telling you about Kim in every five minutes and they talk about, you know, black folks and slavery and all of that, which is, that's okay, that's, that's all good. I'm not hating on nobody. But they never told you that there was black folks that could pass for Africans that lived in South Carolina prior to Christopher Columbus even discovering, quote unquote, America, right? 
what is the date associated with Christopher Columbus? 1492? You know, that's the that's little nursery song that they give you when you're a young adult and you're in school. You say, yo, 1492, Christopher Columbus, this devil sailed the ocean blue, right? 1492. So did we know as a community of black folks in the village, in the camp, black Americans, did we know though that black folks was documented and seen in the Carolinas prior to Christopher Columbus even discovering this place that we know as America. Did we even know that? I'm willing to suspect many of us don't even know that. How many of you guys' family is from the Carolinas? Maybe that's a better question. How many of you guys' family is from the Carolinas? Here's, a, here's a something that you have to really consider as well. If black folks is being recorded as being in South Carolina before Christopher Columbus, right? They lived in the area. They lived on those small islands right outside. Um, so that's um, 1492, way before 1492. Then you get the first slave trade they teach us about, what is that, 1619, Jamestown, Virginia, right? 20-something non-Africans. And then you get the Yamasee War in 1715. It lasts for maybe two or three years, right? And then you get the first United States census happened when? I want to say 1780, something like that. Don't quote me on that. You know, I should have maybe wrote some notes. Don't quote me on that. But I'm just off the top of my head. I want to say 1780, maybe 90. Let's say for good measure, late 1700s, the census. Okay, so these Yamasee Indians, which has already been called African, we know instinctively right because we study history these Yamasee Indians did not self-identify as Africans they never got nothing in the history they said we came across the Atlantic they're just black so they threw the African label on them right but when it's time to do the census in the Carolinas what do you think they mark those Yamasee Indians as what do you think they labeled them as on that census you think they put them as white <laughs> We know they didn't put him as white. You think they put him as Indian? Or do you think they put him down as Negro? Right? That's a good question. You know, I always ask a bunch of questions because questions bring forth information. It's a relative question to the conversation that we have. What do you think when the census came around? Where did they put these Yamasee Indians that they was Africans, according to the writer, according to the speaker. They was, they got their label thrown, and they were well known. They're well known Yamasee Indians because of the Yamasee War. But did you even know the Yamasee Wars was black folks, was black Indians, Negro Indians fighting the British? Did you even know that? Hmm. Says he's Chuck Berry. Let me see some ID. All right, then. ID. This license says you're Indian. What the hell are you? Well, I'm a musician, and my name is Chuck Berry. And I can be whatever you need me to be to play in your fine establishment this evening. You know, because ever since we've been in grade school, 
every February in the United States of America, we have Black History Month and they go right into slavery, right? We hear about all these, I mean, you know, everybody came over on the ship from Africa and all of that, and that's a piece of history. And then every holiday they put roots on. So we sit around and watch roots like it's a real piece of history. Even though, you know, we learned later that Alex Haley, he swaggered jacked the whole thing. Like we ain't know he was swagger jacking at first. We thought it was his family. It was a real piece of history. And then we find out that when we do the the leg work on Alex Haley, like we said, damn, bro, you a whole Cherokee. Like, how did <laughs> how did you how was it? How did the Cherokee Indian write something about Kuti? But see, he stole that story from a Jew. See, and he had to pay like a half a ticket for that. Right? He had to do that. But see, we're going back to the document that we have in front of us. And just again, keep in mind that this was the conversation that took place on the floor in the chambers of American government. And I got to read it again in case you missed it. It said that the Spaniards found that one Negro was equal to 10 Indians for work. And they therefore imported these. What kind of Indians did they import? The speaker said Indian Negroes. And he carried them to West Indians to experiment with. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We didn't know there was some Indian Negroes that went to West Indians. We didn't know that. Because we thought everybody that was black came from Africa. See, we didn't know that. And guess what? Here's a real kicker. See, it's the reason on this platform I use certain type of documents. Because black folks got it in their mind that, hey, listen, you know, they put that there to fool you. They put that there to trick you. And beloved, I can assure you, they not talking to you. This not for you. Go get that good book. Get to work. If they hand you any book, that's the book you did get. Nobody in the early 1900s was getting off that plantation because our folks are still in the plantation. We just moved to uh, those are sharecropping days at this point. Right. So we working still sun up to sundown. And uh, he's being funny with the books. He's making it look like we in debt the whole nine. He's playing a whole sight game on us. Right. Maybe that's a different story for a different day. I say all that to say this. You didn't have time to read and see what's going on in the world. That wasn't your play. Your play is a day to day, even today. And you just work 40 hours a week. Many of us don't have the time to dig in those books. So we feel as though when we see a black person say that they're Indian, we yo, he's bugging out. He's bugging out like, yo, he's he hated himself. He don't love his people. You know, he he's uh he's anti-African. He's ashamed to say his people is from the motherland. And up, 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 up. you know, that game we be playing. Nah, man, it was some Negroes that was already here. And it's just, it's unfortunate because these Negro Indians, these Yamasee, they're still here today. They are still black people here today. You can reach out to them. You can touch them. You can talk to them. They have their reservation and their reservation telephone number is public information. You can always call up to any of these reservations and call in and say, hey, I just want to talk to so many people. I want to ask some questions or better yet. You may want to say, yo, 
I had some family from South Carolina. And I didn't know that the Yamasee was in South Carolina. You guys was in Georgia. You guys was in Florida and Alabama. I didn't know that. Maybe I need to check a little harder in my genealogy because I may not be off that ship like I think I'm off that ship because there were some of us that was already here. See, what we have pushed back on the Real Black Conscious Forum podcast is this, because, see, we're learning, you know, it was more than just one kind of Indian. And, you know, young blood is running around telling people that 90 percent of all quote-unquote African-Americans were the Indians. See, that's hogwash. No, 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 that's not true. No matter what these writers that we read about these Negro Indians, we learn small pockets now. Small colonies, not whole countries, small colonies, small pockets. But when you look at the Yamasee and you see the military might that they had, and how many men was in the army, you say, well, wait a minute. It was more than just a small pocket of them. It was a lot of them. And you got to really ask yourself a serious question and say, okay, when they did that census now, because the United States did census, they kept numbers all the time. You had to ask yourself straight up, hey, what did they put these people down as? What did they label them down as? Because if they labeled them just as Negro, that's a dip. See, now that's a different story for a different day. Because they didn't say Negro Indian on their census. They just said Negro. And then when they brought Mobutu over here, they put him down as Negro too. So now you got two different type of black folks that's here. Right? So that's going to be today's conversation. I ain't going to hold you long. Something to think about. You got the document. You got everything you need. In the future, though, we're going to have to have a conversation as well about Canada, right? Because here on Real Black Content Forum Podcast, we always say, the black aboriginals in Central America, South America, and the islands. Then you got California. Then you got Florida, right? Because Florida is the hub. Even when you find, like we went over a document today that showed that the Yamasee was in South Carolina, you eventually see they was pushed down to what we call Florida. So now we got to go a little further north just to prepare ourselves for our future conversation because what happened in the United States happened in Canada. See, you have a split between the black indigenous in Canada that was already here, Canada. And then you have the black African that came over. So now we're gonna to have to pull out those documents and have that conversation, but you gotta be ready for it. You gotta be ready to know that, hey, America just wasn't filled with red people. It just wasn't, there were black folks already here, right? And also you gotta be ready for this because when we have our conversation about Canada indigenous blacks, see, those indigenous people in Canada was a little smarter than us in the United States and South America and on these islands because when that slave trade was in full force, they brought in black folks from the Caribbeans to do the work up there in Canada. And then later they start bringing Africans over to Canada as well to do the work. And then they try to label everybody African. So when you look at the history of uh, Canada, you see, no, 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 no. That brother, that indigenous brother that came from the Caribbeans, he didn't take that African label. He said, no, 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 we're not from no Africa. My man, Mobutu, he from Africa. We from the Caribbeans. We from the Americas. We was already here. And 
once we say we from the Caribbeans, no, we wasn't. We just from the Caribbeans. We didn't come over from no, no, that just don't put that on us. And very to this very day, there's a conflict. So you see certain blacks, they identify as black Canadians, but that's a split. You got to be careful with that because when they get down to the nitty gritty, they say black Caribbean Canadian. And then there's another group of people that say, no, I'm a black African Canadian. So that's going to be an interesting conversation as well. All right. Peace and black power to your family. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out. Hey, man. Real Black Contest Forum Podcast, man. Big VJ. I'll get it with you guys later. Peace.